electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. That's when Eric got hired by CNBC, I think, right? Yep. Fast Money yep. starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York Times Square. I'm Michelle Caruso Cabrera, in today for Melissa Lee. Tonight on Fast, semi-stocks are soaring, but one trader who called the rally in Intel says the ride in chips is about to come to a screeching halt. He'll explain why. Plus, a Twitter employee goes rogue, targets Trump. Is the president's Twitter feed suddenly the biggest risk to the rally? We're going to break it down. And then later, the Bitcoin boom might be an understatement at this point. The cryptocurrency surged $2,000 in the last two weeks. And that has one of the biggest Bitcoin bulls on Wall Street, Tom Lee, tapping the brakes. But first, we start with the world going nuts over the iPhone 10. People across the globe, from Sydney, Australia, to Beijing, London, and of course, Palo Alto, California, lining up for the, quote, transformative phone. Let's go to Josh Lipton in Palo Alto, where X marked the spot. Hey, Josh, long line still? Well, Michelle, listen, we know Apple refers to this as the future of the smartphone. So the iPhone 10 going on sale today, including at this store you guys see right behind me here in downtown Palo Alto, California. And in what has become a tradition, Michelle, Apple CEO Tim Cook was at the store here this morning welcoming customers. And we caught up with some of those fans that were waiting online here. We asked them what, had, what was exciting to them about this new device. Money really isn't the issue here. It's just more of the fact that you get the bigger, the better camera. The new screen seems really cool, like the OLED. Um, yeah, I guess like you could argue that it makes you um, taking photos more fun. It's got a nice camera where you can do some emoji stuff, facial for your selfies. I'm not a selfie guy, but I, you know, I get all the stuff really cool. Investors are betting that this 10 is going to be a winner, and that has helped send Apple stock up 50% so far this year. We also know Apple fans do tend to be a loyal bunch. UBS conducted a recent survey of iPhone buyers who were interested in buying a new device. 95% said they would stick with Apple. That's versus 53% for Samsung. Question, though, is what iPhone they're going to buy and when it's going to be available. Tim Cook telling me that the ramp for that 10 is improving but couldn't say for sure when Apple would come into supply-demand balance for that new phone. Michelle, back to you. All right. Thank you very much, Josh Lipton. And it's not just Apple that's dominating. Listen to this. The combined market cap of Apple, Alphabet, and Microsoft, now about $2.3 trillion, which is nearly the entire market cap of the Russell 2000 <coughs> in its entirety. It's called the Russell 2000 because there's 2,000 stocks. So is big tech getting too big? And just how much bigger can these stocks get? Of course, the Russell 2000 are small caps. So, well, you know, presumably it represents still. more of the economy, more of the U.S. economy. Mm -hmm. So you, now you have three stocks that are this big. Listen, they can, go, they can grow as big as they need to grow in this environment. we got good economic news today. So these stocks can continue to go. But you should just be aware that this creates some kind of a systemic risk. And I don't mean systemic risk like we had in 2008, but I mean for the market in that if these things start to weaken or one of these has a problem, you have a lot of capital tied up here that's going to reverse itself. Well, Michelle, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank Great you. to have you here on Friday. You know, when I look at big cap tech and I look at the multiple on Apple and I look at the multiple on Google, I say, you know, these are 
places where big funds, big investors, and small investors can put a lot of capacity to work at valuations that make a lot of sense with fresh data points. Um, I look at Apple. I say, to me, we're getting to a place where the euphoria around Apple being, you know, in the absolute perfect zone is is starting to resemble where we were at a couple times where we put in some major tops. That's, you know, not necessarily what I'm saying we do here, but I do think that there's places in big cap tech that can continue to run because the valuations are supportive. And remember, these are global companies. And you're suggesting these, Apple is one of them I, because it still I, isn't I, very I'm expensive when it comes to its valuation when, relative to other tech. When right? I think about Apple relative to itself, it's traded between 10 and 16 times over the last five to mm-hmm. six years. Um, it's somewhere around 14 times next year right now. Um, should it be trading at the upper end of the range? It should be. Should it be trading at 16 times? If you want to do that, you can put, you know, ultimately a 210, 220 number on this. We had Kevin O'Leary on earlier today, and he was arguing that Apple had achieved finally what it had been pushing for, which is for people to start thinking about it as a software company because of the halo effect. Software companies get a bigger multiple in the market than a hardware company. Anybody buying that? Well, that's Pete's argument. So, Pedro. Well, I mean, the reality is, and Kevin's a little late to that game because the story has been services, right? Yeah. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Where does the growth have to come from? It's going to be services. You actually, but we weren't convinced they were going to be able to do it, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and with the billion-plus units out there and the people that are attracted, there is absolute growth going to continue there. I think that the, the big question is, how fast can they grow in China, in India? And we're already starting to see some of those numbers in the pent-up demand in China and some of the growth in India. And Tim knows India that better doubled. than I do. It's unbelievable. India yeah, doubled. it doubled. And then so, you look at China and you're looking at growth potential of when they have this, the, the cycle that's going on right now. It's time. It's upgrade time. I look at Microsoft. You've got the whole cloud world. That's their version of services. That's that smaller portion that continues to grow. And that's a transitional, transitional space. There are three stocks that you just mentioned at the top. All of which, if you look at where the growth area is, they're all too cheap. I think there's plenty of upside in all Anybody three. bearish? No. Well, I mean, in some names you have to be, but in my, a name like Microsoft, for example. I mean, we, we forget that Microsoft is north of a half a trillion dollars in market cap now. I mean, and you're talking about a stock 22 times forward earnings that has transitioned itself into a new business that justifies Almost that flawlessly. valuation. I mean, it's amazing. I, 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 after that, is, that is, 10 is years of, it's, of right. being well, flat. That was <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what they've done. Without question. But I would say this about Apple. And Pete, when, we, when Pete and everybody started talking about services about Apple, it represented anywhere from 8 to 10% of their revenues. That number, each, seemingly each quarter, goes up by a percent. We're up to 16% now. If that trajectory continues on its current path, we'll be in the low 20s by sometime maybe late next year, early 2019, which makes their valuation at these current levels. I pointed out that's all the concerns today. about them being a one-trick pony solely right. on well, the Well, I pointed out halftime today. How about just the miscellaneous? Miscellaneous in Apple right now is a huge business. $12.6 billion I know, I know. on miscellaneous. Any other small cap company billion. would love that. Right. Right. And, and then you look at, at something like a Facebook. What was their revenues this last quarter? It was $10 billion. You look at Apple. I mean, look at Apple. Just the services, $10 billion. So you're talking about $30 billion annually right now, and it's growing. Is tax reform priced into any of these tech stocks because they have so much cash? $268 billion it's, dollars for Apple. I think what they, the, could, they could repatriate that, do something oh. transformative. Microsoft could do... I, I, what I think on that is I think Apple started a price and tax reform four years ago when they started doing these big bond deals and they started essentially doing swaps, which was another way of actually bringing cash back. They were giving cash back to investors. Remember Carl Icahn. Remember the pressure on this company right. to actually be more capital markets friendly to investors. I think a lot of this is there. And, and I, I, to, to assume that suddenly, look, the, the day that we get a 12% repatriation for hard cash um, is going to be a day that I think the stock's going to rally. But I think largely we've done most of that. Damage. And to, to explain to the novice viewer,
before, we've watched Apple borrow money when it has no need to borrow money because it has so much money. But the reason it borrows the money is because the money's trapped overseas. They'd like to pay a dividend. They don't want to repatriate the money to pay the dividend. So instead, they can raise, forever. They can right. raise debt at almost zero. I mean, these guys are such a good credit. They are such a big company at a time where rates are so low. It made a lot of sense for them to do big bond deals. The market wanted them. Another reason to like them is how they handle the financial side of this whole thing has been absolutely miraculous. You're right. They're like an independent little family office. They're bigger than, I mean, imagine. They're top 16 in the world with money right, under so there's just, there's a, uh, Let's go to the bear case because it's just, just too much euphoria. Everybody likes it. And listen, I'm not saying that. It makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. Right. It's going to in the back, Brian. It's going to come up in the back. Yeah, it's going to come up in the back. I can't stand all the positivity. I have to give the bear case here. The bear case is that services are not going to grow, that there's a misstep. And then all of a sudden, what do you have left? You have a company that just sold their biggest product, massive product, and that's it. So you better hope that services grow in this. But is it hope or is it potential fact when you're looking at the cycle in China and the growth that you're seeing in India? International 62%. That's what the market's pricing in now. But what's the bear case? The bear case is something you don't expect. But you don't expect that perhaps China doesn't come in like we're thinking. You don't expect that that services but, don't increase. But Brian, this that, is three refreshes ago. Not necessarily you. I get your point right now. But people were saying they can't innovate anymore. We're right. done. It's a hardware company. We're, we're only doing this largely on hardware. And then Apple can turn around and thank Tesla. It can, it can thank um, Amazon for companies that are getting a multiple based upon the businesses we think they're going to be in. We know Apple's going to be there. Apple Pay is unbelievable. Look. The, the Apple operating system for Apple Car, whatever we're going to call this, the smart home, the Apple home, these are all places they will absolutely be competing. How about the growth in Apple Pay yeah. this past quarter? Yeah. I mean, you know, did you see what that no, actually break? 300 plus percent. That's all. So, I mean, you're having a hard time growing right now. Apple. Here's where I think you've got a bear argument. And I just want to say this about the market overall, because we're, we're, we're capping the week here. Um, the market overall this week, outside of those big cap stocks, struggled. Um, let's be clear about this. And I think you're seeing a lot of stuff that's trading near their bottoms. You're seeing a lot of things that are starting to break down. Today, industrials, transports, financials, uh, retail, we're all down. So, again, yeah, but yes, these no, guys no, are no, asking no, 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 some of the I'm just telling you, I don't, you know. I, I mean, rotation so is what the market has I been mean, is rotation. The risk, the risk now on a bigger macro picture, again, the risk is we got very good economic news. You have rising rates and a rising Hold dollar. Hold on. Which we're ultimately, not with Apple yet. I want to know. Well, we're going to go around the Who is buying Apple at these highs? You're not. Not obviously. No, I wouldn't. But I wouldn't sell it either. I want to be clear about that. If I'm on it, I'm long. Okay. Disingenuous of me to say to buy it here because I thought it was going to 134, 20 something dollars ago. So I'll I'll let the the other side of the desk handle this one. Buy it here. I'm long some Apple, but I also said I didn't need to buy it into earnings. And so to be clear, I'm not necessarily needing to step in and buy what I think is a. Decent valuation for a company that probably could trade at a higher multiple. I still think there's plenty upside. Katie Huberty's been the absolute perfect woman to listen to on this stock. She moved it up to 200. She was already 199. Moved her target up to 200. She talked about $16 earnings, $13 earnings. This company is miraculous. I added calls going into earnings. I'm going to hold on to those through December. I think this thing's going to go a lot f- faster to the upside than people think. Uh, and with this company words, is say miraculous. Well, you nervous. know what it is. It's a dang <laughs> giddy up. It's dang on giddy up. They're making nervous. This company is wow. miraculous. Coming up, Snap Gear. Not, not so miraculous. Coming up, it's earnings season report on Tuesday. Social media company is down more than 11% since its IPO. And if history is any clue, it could get a lot worse next week. We're going to break it down. Bitcoin, bull no more. One of Wall Street's biggest crypto fans, Tom Lee, tapping the brakes. Is everything okay with him? He'll be here shortly. And then later, Twitter in the crosshairs as a rogue employee pulled the plug on President Trump's account. Is it still at risk for another attack? What could that mean for the market? 
We'll dive in. Much more Fast Money after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin on a tear. The cryptocurrency hitting another all-time high today and surging more than 600% so far this year. Climbing $2,000 in the past couple of weeks, trading at $7,195, getting even more legitimacy. The CME announcing this week that it will launch Bitcoin futures, and Amazon bought three cryptocurrency-related domain names. As everyone seems to be jumping on the Bitcoin bandwagon, one of Wall Street's biggest Bitcoin bulls is jumping off. Tom Lee of Fundstrike Global Advisors joins us now. This has gone too far too fast? Um... Well, let me just start by saying I think for the vast majority of those who are believers in Bitcoin, they should ignore what happens in the short term because, you know, uh, we still think Bitcoin is worth multiples of where it is five years from now. But yes, in the short term, I think you can think about how Bitcoin is valued based on, you know, wallet growth and transaction activity. And for the last three years, 94% of the movement of Bitcoin has been explained by a simple equation reflecting those two. Which is? Well, we use a log function of the number of wallets yeah. plus a coefficient for the average transaction value. So that it's basically how much engagement is there. And the premium to Bitcoin to that equation today is around 42%, which is the highest since 2014. So we thought maybe take a, take a step back, wait for a... What does it average? Out. What's the low been? Well, it, over the last... Uh, since inception, it's actually the premium's been zero. So it's historically either been cheap to it, and that means you got to buy it because you can buy it with strong hands. You know, you're, you're buying it at a discount to fundamental, but now at 44% premium, it's gotten as high as 65, but it, at 44, it's the highest in three years. And to reiterate, your 2022 price target is 25000 for Bitcoin. Correct. So you're and I think that's a lot much more expansive important. use of it in terms of being an actual currency. That's right. So when we project uh, Bitcoin into mid-2018, we're assuming a 90% deceleration of the existing growth rate. So it's probably conservative because, of course, Bitcoin's been growing at an accelerating pace. Um, but we just said it at the moment today, so let's say we call it contemporaneous metrics, it's expensive. But that's, it, it may be wishful thinking. You know, Bitcoin doesn't have to go down. We're just saying it's, it's at a premium to its fundamentals. So, Tom, you were talking about 2018 and, and the transactions. Re- let me understand. You're saying transactions go down by 90% or the growth rate? The growth rate decelerates by 90%. So where, where are you getting that? Because we were both out in San Francisco last week, saw unbelievable amount of development going on. Where, where are you getting this deceleration in transactions? Brian, it's, uh, it is a, it's a stale forecast because we made that forecast in August when you know, Bitcoin was in the 4,000 range. So we thought 6,000 was a, you know, where it could be in mid-18. Clearly, it's a stale number because activity has actually been stronger since then. And as, as you mentioned, it's, it's a huge, vibrant community. There's a lot happening. Um, but on the current metrics, so without projecting growth, Bitcoin should be valued more at 5,500. But you know what? It doesn't, it's just a model. It actually doesn't mean anything. For us, it's just saying we, we want to just take a short-term break hoping for a better entry point. But it may not happen. I mean, Bitcoin could continue to be the juggernaut it is. All right. Thank you, Tom. I bet you're going to get some... Nasty emails from the Bitcoin lovers. No. <laughs> no. Like Tom's, Tom's been all over measured yeah. on, on the approach here, which is that this has clearly uh, got no place where what, what I think people are trying to do is put a valuation and actually apply numbers to something that I think a lot of people, I mean, you could make an argument, Brian, um, that the valuation metrics for how people are looking at Bitcoin, wallet versus transaction load, um, you know, 
could still be throwing darts somewhere. Uh, We're all trying to figure it out, right? Absolutely. We're all trying to figure out how do you value this new type of asset? And we're trying different valuation metrics. What has worked and what continues to work, and it makes a little bit of sense, is using transaction volume because it's kind of like eyeballs, how many monthly active users you have on Facebook or Twitter. So it's akin to that. Um, and but listen, you know, Tom, Tom was talking about a stale number. I mean, my target at the beginning of the year for Bitcoin was twenty five hundred. And that I thought was aggressive. So this moves very much with transaction growth. And you have to make those assumptions. Got so, it. you know, if you're in it, stay in it. Still ahead. Papa John's is about to do something that could spell even more trouble for the NFL. We'll tell you what that is. And in the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. That's what investors hope SnapShares will do when the social giant reports earnings. And history suggests there may be more pain ahead. We'll break it down. Plus, here's what's happened to traders who've tried to short chip stocks this month. But something just happened that might change that. And we'll tell you what that is when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. We got a news alert on Papa John's. Let's get to Dominic Chu for the details. Hey, Dom. All right. So, Michelle, this is this is a story involving the Wall Street Journal. They're doing some reporting here. They've interviewed some execs over at Papa John's Pizza. And what they're saying is that Papa John's executives are looking to maybe refocus or reevaluate their sponsorship deal with the NFL. Now, you may recall that Papa John's mentioned during their earnings conference call that, you know, maybe some of their declining sales were due to the anthem protest and the declining viewership for the NFL. In this case here, one of their executives saying that they're looking to reevaluate some of the TV-focused advertising. Many of the things are now digitally focused, so they, they want to kind of take a look at the at least the program of advertising that they have. Of course, we all know that between Peyton Manning and a lot of the other NFL stars, J.J. Watt, that are on those commercials, they're very TV-centric for right now. But an interesting headline from a pizza company that got into a little bit of controversy when they blamed the NFL for their falling sales. Guys, back over to you. Got it, Tom. Thank you. What do you think, Pete? Is this the right move in the Potter Papa John's? Well, I don't know if it's the right move or not, but I think this actually stands says something more about what Roger Goodell and his lack of action has been with the NFL and how they've reacted to a lot of the different issues that have caused the ratings to start to plummet. And this is over a year ago, but this continues. And this year it's gotten worse and worse and worse. It's the anthem. But also now we're getting all these injuries. The game is a little less interesting and it's getting that much easier for for the sponsors to say, you know what? I'd rather be somewhere else in the digital world than on TV. I I was going to say, just put aside what he said the reason was for the decline in ratings. If the ratings are down that far, why would you want to spend money on the sponsorship, save some money and redeploy it somewhere else where it's going to be more effective? Look, I agree with that. I also think Pop Johns really has to be careful here because they're kind of taking a stand by saying this. They're basically saying, you got to do something about this, guys. And I think there's an implication. So they could for alienate that. viewers Absol- who are. Uh, forget the ratings. Who are supportive of the players who are I, I, doing it. Absolutely. Political yeah, risk. That's, that's the problem here. I mean, if you're spending money and you, on advertising and it's not working, then pull the advertising. That's it. It's a business decision only. But I agree with Tim that this is edging on the political commentary, which could be well, a but it's also, suddenly out there in the middle of this, and right. I don't think they intended yeah, to be. Yeah, but this, they didn't intend to be, but this actually does start with the NFL. It starts with Roger Goodell not being proactive. Doesn't matter. Not, but it, right, but, I mean, but he, this might not be the only sponsor, guys. I mean, I know what you're but, saying right but, now, but the sponsorship the, money from others could easily get pulled, and it's been something I've been concerned. Are there risks to the networks it? that carry football where they might see? Is this a 
indication that lower advertising revenues are going to start to accompany I think sports. It's, it's one piece and it's about which it, right? they spend so much it's money more on about streaming, right? I mean, there's there's a, just a fundamental change going on in the business. So uh, yes, is, is it you think people are streaming football? I think people are streaming everything. Right, but 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 the decline in the NFL is not because of streaming. No, no, no but what I'm saying, this is one inc- one more thing that's going to be the nail in the coffin. Enough. All right. Yeah, I mean, I would simply say that I am concerned about peak sports. And that is something that I think is a function of what's going on in the media sector and franchise values and the inability to find a balance here. And I think that is something investors should think about. Too much supply when you can see football, you know, all the time. Do you remember when they did Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Five nights in a row because it was doing it and then burned it out. You know, yeah, you just absolutely. Speed it up. You know what it reminds me of MCC? What? It's like the opera, man. I can go see La Bohem like six, <laughs> seven times this week. I mean, you who don't wants pronounce to go... CH, darling. And what? And La? La. <laughs> <laughs> How could you go see she, eight times this week? She. What? She is MCC a, an is opera a, she, she spends a lot Instead of time in Instead of watching Central. Game 7, you I went to, went the, went to the, the opera. opera. And there was a lot of availability that night. Mm-hmm. So, but what about all these networks that carry football? Should they start to worry? Well, yes. And John? the problem is that the, the attention span of the viewers has gotten that much more difficult, and that's what the NFL has got their arms around. They've got to figure out to ki- how to keep the game moving faster. All right, moving on. Get ready to turn back your clocks because it's daylight savings this weekend. It's practically a fall ritual. So in honor of the semi-annual change, our traders are giving you stocks to fall back on. Pete, kick it off. Home Depot. Fall back on Home Depot. You know what? Nothing says fall like Home Depot. This is a great company. Tim, I th- have you ever picked this? I'm going to be mul- some fall mulching fall this Fall mulching because we talked about it last night. warm. Makes a lot of sense. But it's that warm. time of year. They're always always in transition, and the buildup they've got online has been absolutely incredible. Tim Seymour, your stock to fall back on. I will be mulching OIH. Nice. Like, well, look what's going on in the energy sector. Look at the Golden Cross here. Valuations are starting to catch up to the move in oil. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be mulching this weekend at all. It's I'm obvious. not, it's I'm it's I'm not going to, but I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to be watching Bitcoin and CME just watch Bitcoin futures. I'm happy about that. Trinity oh. Industries, fall back on the railroads. Back to you, MCC. All the cool kids are going to be mulching. <laughs> right Thank on. you so much. That does it for Fast Money. Options Actions starts next. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.